Hello and welcome to episode 6, part 6, where we're going to be investigating the parable of the workers in the vineyard. I know that as we look at this really on the eve of Thanksgiving, um, this is really going to be really uh, great stuff for us to look at. The infamous line today is going to be, the last will be first and the first will be last. The interesting thing about this parable is that it talks about who we are. Now keep in mind, as we look at this poignant parable, that Jesus just isn't reprimanding the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 20, which is where we're going to be spending most of our time today. He is revealing our human condition. He's reminding us of our brokenness. But in revealing this brokenness within us, he is reminding us that his posture towards us, his creation, is always grace. That grace is the unmerited favor of God. Simply, I can't earn it, but I can't accept it. The scripture regarding the parable of the workers in the vineyard, uh, for purposes of this podcast, is going to be read like a movie script. In this story, we have a few dynamic characters. First, we have, of course, the storyteller, Jesus. We then have some supporting characters. We have a landowner. We have a foreman. And we have various unnamed workers. Some workers get hired early in the day and work a full day. Others work a half day. And some sneak in right at the end of the day and only work one hour. You can call that group the slackers, right? Uh, But the interesting thing in the story is they all get paid the same. And that's really what we're going to be spending a lot of our time with. So if you will, go ahead and turn over to Matthew chapter 20. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 16. Uh, And it's going to be read out of the voice. Jesus begins talking in verse 1 and says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a wealthy landowner who got up early in the morning and went out first thing to hire workers to tend his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a day's wage for their day's work. The workers headed to the vineyard while the landowner headed home to deal with some paperwork. About three hours later, he went back to the marketplace And he saw some unemployed men standing there with nothing to do. Now, before we move in any further, uh, we need to really look at what a day looks like. Remember that the Jewish work day began at 6 a.m. Their day would end at 6 p.m. This really becomes very important in the story, so keep that in mind. Also remember that in Greek, landowner could mean several things. It could mean that he's the head of the family. It could mean that he's the master of the house, uh, or it could also mean that he's the absolute owner. And in this context, uh, I really like to look at it through the lens of that he's the absolute owner. So back to scripture in verse 4, the landowner says to the workers, do you need something to do? Go over to my vineyard and join the crew there, and I'll pay you well. So they head off and join the crew at the vineyard. All right, in verse 5, about three hours later, which would make it now 9 a.m., and then three hours after that, all right, we're finally to lunch break, noon. It's a good time of day. The landowner went back to the market and saw another crew of men and hired them too, sending them off to the vineyard and promising to pay them well. Then finally, late in the afternoon, at the cusp of night, uh, in some versions it says the 11th hour, uh, for our purposes we're just going to say it's 5 p.m., The landowner walked again through the marketplace, and he saw other workers still standing around. 
Now, this is where it gets really interesting because the workers hired here would have only had to work one hour or less because their day stopped at six. And that's good for us to know and remember here in just a moment. So then the landowner says, why have you been standing around here all day doing nothing? And they reply, because no one has hired us. The landowner says, well, you should go over to my vineyard and work. And off the workers went. When quitting time arrived, which is finally 6 p.m., the landowner called to his foreman. The foreman's interesting in the story as well. The landowner says, pay the workers their day's wage, beginning with the workers I hired most recently and ending with the workers who had been here all day. Now, maybe when you read that, you think that's not really fair, uh, but keep that question in mind. So the workers who had just been hired just a short while came before the foreman, and he paid them each a day's wage. Verse 10. Then other workers who had arrived during the day were paid, each of them a day's wage. Finally, the workers who had been toiling since early morning came thinking that they would be paid much more. But the foreman paid each of them a day's wage. Verse 11, as they received their pay, this last group of workers began to protest. Uh, in some translations, it says they began to grumble. So then now we have this first worker group, that group that arrived there at 6 a.m. And this is what they say. We've been here since the crack of dawn, and you're paying us the exact same wage you paid the crew that just showed up? We deserve more than they do. We've been working in the heat of the day, we've been busting our backs, and these others haven't even worked nearly as long as we have. We've definitely put in the sweat equity. And then in verse 13, we see an interesting response. The landowner heard the protest, and notice what he does here. The first word he uses is friend. So after they're grumbling, after they're mad, after they're saying things like, we've been here since the crack of dawn, we've been working in the heat of the day, and those others don't deserve the same treatment we do, he says, friend. Friend, no one here has been wrong today. This isn't about what you deserve. You agreed to work for a day's wage, did you not? So take your money and go home. I can give my money to whomever I please, and it pleases me to pay everyone the same amount of money. Do you think I don't have the right to dispose of my money as I wish? Or does my generosity somehow prick at you? And then he ends with this crazy line in verse 16, and that is your picture. The last will be first, and the first will be last. That's really where we end our parable today. So, as this is our last week, which is kind of bittersweet in the parable series, uh, let's finally review our main theme. That Jesus used parables, such as the one today, stories about everyday experiences, to help us understand truths about God. Through these stories, we can better understand our own story, and as a result, we can better know God. Because Jesus loved to tell stories, and parables were his favorite kind to tell. They were memorable comparisons to everyday life. Details were included, but they were seldom central to his message. Some parables were so clear, with maybe an obvious meaning, that every listener caught the point. 
Some were less clear, almost like a code, something that you had to decipher or solve, intended for Jesus' followers to understand while his enemies were confused. This approach kept his critics controlled, so Jesus' time was less consumed by argumentative harassment by groups such as the Pharisees or the Sadducees. So now let's dig into the background of the book of Matthew. Matthew, of course, is the earliest recording of the Gospels. It was passed down verbally for about 30 or 40 years, and then it was written, um, and credit is given to Matthew the tax collector. Uh, It also records the 33 years of life of Jesus' ministry. And the parables are really kind of woven together, uh, really in this beautiful tapestry that creates a story. And it really uh, is kind of central around nine stories that are recorded in Matthew. And we know a lot of these. They illustrate that Jesus is bringing his perfect kingdom to restore brokenness of humanity. Uh, But these stories are things about the paralyzed, uh, sick mothers or deceased characters. They're about lepers and stormy season demonized men. The point of these stories is to show that we all need to follow Christ. But it also shows that Christ loves to be around all kinds of people. And in this story, Matthew reminds us that our Christian life and God's intention is also not about the individual, but it's always about the community. Remember this, that the gospel we're looking at today is not the gospel of me. It's not the gospel of my compartmentalized Christian life. It's not the American gospel. It's the gospel of us. Uh, the collectivist society. And this is also a kingdom parable. That remember, as Jesus is telling the story, he's not referring to a place, a place such as heaven, but he's referring to his kingship. The beauty of the story is it really gives us a snapshot of the future, um, of what could happen if we all submit to his kingship. Um, Could you imagine a world where everyone submitted to the control of God? It would be pretty mind-blowing, wouldn't it? Our crime rights might go down, and we might not be envious of our neighbor. Uh, We might actually love one another. But this story takes place in a vineyard. It also suggests, even though it doesn't explain, that uh, it more than likely happens during the harvest season. The landowner was gathering additional workers. Because the status quo of workers just wouldn't do. There wasn't enough people. Therefore, he had to go in town and recruit more help. Jesus is really breaking out the big guns for this. That the harvest is ripe. And there is this tangible sense of urgency in the message. The passage is also about our quest for doing something that matters. Because the story really reveals in a lot of ways what we strive for in significance. And I really think today that as we uh, look at this picture of significance, uh, these four areas were really taken from uh, Matt Hurd's message at Northland Church. Um, So I do want to give him props and credit here. But uh, he really breaks these down into four areas uh, in terms of the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And I think they're right on point. And the first one that he mentions is when we pursue significance in life, we often look in the wrong areas. And the first one we often look towards is performance. 
That is to say this, that I must be better than everyone else. Not necessarily just in my Christian life as we kind of compartmentalize it, but I have to be better at all cost. And I also will do it at all cost. I know I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old, and uh, they both love the movie uh, Disney's Coco. Uh, One of the main characters in the movie, his name is Ernesto de la Cruz, and he states in the movie that no one in life is going to give you your moment, so you have to seize it. Uh, And it's kind of a central message always to this movie. Um, And really, we do this in life a lot of times that we tell ourselves, no one is going to give me my break, so I have to seize it myself. And this really is the trap of performance. Because Jesus invites us to something besides performance, he invites us into grace. You see, we don't have to gain grace, we just have to accept it. It doesn't matter how much we work for the Lord, it doesn't matter how much we tithe, it doesn't matter how great we look. Doesn't matter what words we say or how much we pray. Doesn't matter how much we read the hours. What it says is that our significance counts because the landowner is kind to all. Because God's posture towards his entire creation, towards us, is grace. He doesn't give us what we want, but he does give us what we need. Have you ever asked yourself this question? If only I was good enough for God, then he would this. Or what if I just work a little bit harder? Uh, What if I'm just a little bit of a better pastor? Uh, What if I just tithe a little bit more? Maybe that would appease him, right? The thing is that this parable reminds us that we're not performers for Christ. We're a son and daughter of the king. If we got this thought alone today... It would also change our posture towards God. We would live our lives out of grace instead of performance. Do you find your significance in your performance or God's grace? The gospel today is an invitation to accept that grace again. So just kind of in review, usually the first thing we go to to find significance in life is performance. The second thing we're going to look at is often we go to comparison. Comparison is to say that we need to look better than those around us, which is kind of like performing. But Jesus here instead wants us to accept contentment. Because you see, at the heart of comparison, it shrinks who we are. We have to come back really to the heart of the parable here. As the early day workers compared themselves to the late day workers. Remember, they said, those guys showed up late in the day. They don't deserve the same wage we did. We've been here working in the heat of the day and they only worked an hour. We think that comparing gives us greater significance. It may be, we say, will make us content. But God's posture towards us makes us content. He doesn't give us the punishment we deserve. Instead, he says, I give my money to who I want to give it to because God wants to restore his image in us. And today I believe that God wants to restore his image in you. So we can get stuck in performance 
we can get stuck in comparison. Uh, the third one we're going to look at is we can get stuck in accumulation. And that can be accumulation of money, it can be of stuff, it can be of relationships. Uh, you kind of fill in the blank. But we say we gain significance when we accumulate stuff, which is not true. We gain significance when we have a rhythm of grace. Back to the parable, what did the early morning workers get mad about? I don't necessarily know if they were super upset about really the wages or even the late workers because it really wasn't their fault, right? They just got hired later. I think what they were upset with was the landowner's generosity because, you see, when you're generous, you're not upset by others' generosity. Generosity always results in thanksgiving. The key kingdom value here is generosity. The thought is to kind of say the one who has the most stuff in the end wins. That's what the world tells us. If you have the shiniest stuff, the best toys, whatever it might be, you you win in the end. But the kingdom actually states the opposite. It says those who share the most and give to the needy are blessed. And that's kind of an interesting thing to remember today. Uh, really on the eve of Thanksgiving. So we can get trapped in performance. We can get trapped in comparison. We can actually be a slave to our stuff. And lastly is this thought of, of measurement. That we all have a measuring tool. And by this tool, we count our significance, our successes. Jesus counters this, though. He counters it with something called faithfulness. The parables help us with this too. Were the early morning workers more important than the late day workers? The reality is no, they weren't. And the interesting thing is if we really think about this, it takes a lot of pressure off of us. Because it doesn't say that I have to work harder than my neighbor next to me. It doesn't say that I have to outdo him. It doesn't say that I have to tithe more, give more, be more. It just says I have to be faithful with what God has given me. Uh, this actually hints back a little bit to the parable of the talents. But you see, through the parable of the laborers in the vineyard, he invites us back to the gospel. He invites us back to his grace. The great thing about this story is there's plenty of time to accept his way. No matter if you're one of the workers who comes in early at 6 a.m. Or if you're one of the ones who comes in the lunch hour. Or even if you're one that comes in the 11th hour and you only put in an hour of work. He still will be faithful to us. And he's still kind. In fact, he still calls us friend. Because God's posture towards us is always grace. Don't hear me wrong on this. Don't hear that... I can come in late and get the same treatment because God wants us to be faithful. But after Jesus tells this parable of the workers in the vineyard, he also tells a story of a marriage feast. And after the harvest, then comes the celebration that we all have this invitation to the party. And I think really the question that we need to ask ourselves today is, will we accept the invite? 
honestly, if we're real about this, we're nothing more than a wedding crasher or the 11th table guest. And you can kind of insert your winking emoji here that uh, he accepts us. So now's the part of the, the podcast where we talk about how do we hear God's story? Why is this important to me? That really, this parable is thick with all kinds of symbolism. And Jesus often compared his kingdom to a vineyard and frequently spoke about a harvest. And also, how would you describe the landowner from the actions in the story? Do you see the landowner as kind? Do you see him as unfair? Do you see him as somebody who doesn't care and give equal treatment? Because honestly, how we view him can really reveal a lot about the way we currently feel about God. If you could take out a sheet of paper and draw God, what would he look like? Uh, Would he look like a loving father? Uh, Maybe he would be some sun coming over the mountains and bringing joy in a new day. Would he be kind of a loan shark character that only comes to you and says, hey, I need to collect more out of you. You haven't given me enough. Um, Would he be the unfair coach who you feel like you give your all every game just to come back and actually you're never good enough? Um, Really what you would draw on that piece of paper would reveal a lot about how you see God. That parable does the same for us, too. There are also many other applications we can draw from this parable, given the wages paid, right? Who do you think in this parable had the hardest day? Was it the ones who showed up at 6 a.m. to work? Or was it those who were recruited in the last hour? And how aware does the landowner seem to be of each situation? Do you think he cares? Many Bible scholars and translations really agree that the main message here was for the Pharisees because, you know, they believed that their righteous performance or their comparison to sinners and the unclean would make them more desirable to God, right? It separated them from those people. And how does it present their feelings of entitlement also when coming to serve God, that they had him all figured out and that they could please him by doing and being good? Do we also focus on the performance and comparison traps instead of living in the grace that I'm a son and I'm a daughter and he gives me his unmerited favor when I so don't deserve it. But the thing is, this is really tough to accept, right? There are also significant applications to draw from the landowner's determination. Because at the end of the day, regardless of whatever he pays, the landowner still brings in the harvest. How would you describe his commitment to bringing in the harvest before it's too late? And this is great news that ultimately it reveals the love of God. That he wants to hire us all for the harvest. And then he pays us a wage that none of us deserve. So now let's find our story and God's story. How is this parable a picture of God's grace? And the kingdom of heaven. When and how were you called as a worker in the vineyard? And notice the times the landowner returned to the marketplace. 
Remember, for the Jews, the day began and ended at sunrise. So it began at 6 a.m. So the third hour when the landowner returned to conscript more workers would have been 9 a.m. The sixth hour is noon and the eleventh hour is five. When would you have came on the scene? And really, what time in life do you feel you're at right now? Do you feel like you're still in the early stages of it? Or do you feel like you're nearing that 11th hour? And what does this really tell you about the harvest? And so I think maybe the last question that we can really ask ourselves is, how can you or your family participate in the harvest? How can you be faithful with what he's given you, knowing that the wage is going to be the same. I think the scary thing is, if many of us are really honest with ourselves, we probably find ourselves in the performance trap or the comparison trap. Or maybe we're really striving after things, or maybe we're measuring ourselves up to something that's just not healthy. But know that if you're struggling with any of those things, That through the parable of the labors in the vineyard, he invites you back to grace. And that there is no hour that's too late for you to accept that grace. Even if you feel you're in that 11th hour, it's not too late. So I hope that this message today brings you encouragement. And I hope it draws you back to the grace of God. And him telling you that you're a son or you're a daughter. And that he loves you. Have a great evening, and thanks for listening.